This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. So earlier this morning, I was um, driving on the Gardner Expressway, and I looked up into the uh, the gray skies that is Ontario, and I saw this color blue. I pulled the car over, did some Googling, and looked at what the old ancient Druid uh, scrolls told us, and that giant glowing, glowing orb is what we call, or what our forefathers called the sun. It's a trap! I know, I know, but uh, I don't know about you, Producer Chris, but were you confused when you saw bluish hues break through the permanent wall of gray that is sunken unto us? Yeah, definitely took me by surprise. I mean... I didn't know we were allowed that, really. I mean, it's been gray here for what feels like a month. Feels like a month. Did, yeah. not, uh, did not know that was allowed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was uh, uh, that was nice. That was nice just to drive around and uh, and see the sun. By the way, good afternoon, everyone. This is Gameplay. My host, Matthew Cause. show is brought to you by FanDuel. But on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, I would have gone 4-0 and with my uh, divisional round picks. If the Giants were like 36 or 7-point underdogs against the Eagles, then they would have covered. I would have gone 4-0. Yeah, it's kind of funny how it works, eh? You faded them all season. All season. And then right <laughs> as you start to buy in, I know. the I choke know. job comes back. Oh, um, that, hold on. That wasn't a choke job. A choke job would say that the Giants were up by a lot against the Eagles. No, 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 no. That was eventually what we sort of, and what I have been expecting all year, it finally happened. Uh, I was actually at a dinner party. I felt like such an adult because with me and all my friends, but it was also with all the wi- all their wives, and my girlfriend was with me. But then all their children. I was like, "Oh my God, it's us and the children." A lot of them are now double digit in age. At one point, I'm talking about renovations I'm going to be doing in my kitchen. I think it's the most adult I felt. How are you? Uh, how are you thinking of upgrading your kitchen? It's. It, I got. I'm redoing all the floors, and then we're going to redo the appliances. Backsplash. I was going to say a nice uh, little backsplash. That's uh, a really nice touch for a kitchen. Makes it look real nice. I hate it. I hate Why? all of it. I don't want to do any of it. I, and but I know I need to because I am not an adult. Pay someone. I, no. Oh, of course I am. Um, I'm not doing it. Oh, okay. Oh my <laughs> lord. <laughs> Jesus, you give me a lot of credit there to think I would do that. No, no, we're getting a lot of work done. But I've been in my place since 2006. I've never done one thing to the place, not one thing. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, most of the money's been spent on either trips or wine or dinners or things. So this is the first time we're actually doing an adult act. I'm not, pro- I'm not pleased with it, by the way. Oh, I, I was going to say, that's not necessarily in line with you, the, no. the adult uh, no, it's not. itinerary. Yeah, the professional uncle who uh, just uh, got a new device that allows me to play every old Sega Genesis game. and now. Uh, oh, it's, what was your go-to to start? Uh, let's do a little Golden Axe, a little Ghouls and Goblins, um, you, know, the, you know, a little classic Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, just starting out there. But uh, I got to tell you, these people that play video games, I get it how it's a time suck. Oh yeah! Like I, um, I was like, oh, oh, girlfriend's flying. She's a flight attendant of the porter. Oh, I got the night to myself. Five thirty. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, play a little Sega Genesis. Maybe some old Game Boy. Maybe an old Nintendo game. Maybe Super Mario Three. 
I look up and it's like 7.15. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell just happened with the last hour and 45 minutes of my life? Those things are dangerous. In particular, modern video games yeah. are really, like, they, they, they bring that problem even to, like, a higher level. Yeah. Uh, you have to grind for hours and hours. Like, I'm, I'm talking three, four, five hundred hours to do some stuff. And oh, my God. It's just not, not for me at this stage anymore. No, no, no. My modern video game ended in the, in the, in the late in the in the mid to late nineties, you know, I, I by the time everyone was playing um, Goldeneye, that was kind of when I started or, or the original Doom or games like that. That's when I got out. Beyond playing like John Madden football, I was pretty much done with video games. Beyond Tetris, did you play Goldeneye? No, no, that's when I stopped. That's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's when. When there got to be too many buttons on the remote control, I was like, "That's it. It's over for me. Done." You sound, you sound like my dad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, no, it is. It, it's a ridiculously packed show. So it, instead of just you know uh, flirting a little bit with what happens to the Raptors, they split. Uh, they split the weekend. The Leafs lost to an AHL uh, squad in Montreal. Let's just get to the NFL. Let's get to my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. No, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Now, I, I know the last thing we saw this football weekend was that ridiculous final play by the Cowboys. That, you know, it felt like it needed, you know, like circus music, you know, or, or the old Benny Hill music for the older generation, where you saw a running back snapping the ball to the quarterback, and I was like, are there any offensive linemen out there? Where are they? Where'd they go? And, and Zeke gets smoked, and the, and the receiver, Cavante Turpin, gets smoked by Jimmy Ward. It was silly play. And we all, la- we all love laughing at the Cowboys. Also, this game shows that Dak is good. He just ain't great. And those two interceptions in the first half prove it. Horrible interceptions. Both of them, he had plenty of uh, pass protection. Dumb, dumb decisions by him. Now, that Eagles-Giants game, that game was done at the end of the first quarter. Plus, Jalen Hurts going deep early to Devonta Smith shows that Hurts, his shoulder is at least close to 100% back. But the biggest story this weekend is Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Patrick Mahomes ankle sprain, that'll probably be the newsiest story. But bigger picture, this is the 100%, oh, it's official, coming out party for Cincinnati that we saw. Now, see, last year felt like the Bengals were that fun new team. They got on a heater, somehow blanked the Chiefs in the second half of the AFC Championship game. They were on FanDuel. They were 22 to 1 at one point during the offseason to win the Super Bowl. Earlier this year, they were as low as 32 to 1. Now, be honest. At one point, between the Rams winning the Super Bowl and this month of September that passed, at some point between those two events, the Bengals felt like a high end flash of the pan. A lot of talent, but maybe they were a bit of a fluke. Well, you see, those feelings are now 100% gone, and I feel foolish that they ever lingered in my head. Just like I feel like a fool that I took the Giants to cover the 7.5 points on FanDuel. Cincinnati now has five playoff wins in the last, what, like two years? 
They've beaten Kansas City three times in just over one calendar year, and they just handed the Bills their worst loss of the year. In fact, it's only the third time that Buffalo, in three years, three times in three years, that Buffalo's lost a game by more than two touchdowns. And they were at home, playing in snow. Damar Hamlin in attendance. From a sports betting perspective, everyone is taking the Bengals very seriously. Again, going FanDuel. They're a point, point and a half underdog in Kansas City. And yes, that is partially due, obviously. It's partially due to the high ankle sprain by Patrick Mahomes. But how often do you see Kansas City as a point and a half, only a point and a half favorite at home in the playoffs? Now, I'm not sure what impressed me the most. How well Joe Burrow played, how the Bengals' D held the Bills to 10 points and shut them down on third down, or how dominant their offensive line was. Yes, the same offensive line that we were all rightfully worried about after they lost the three starting linemen going into this weekend. Instead, they mauled the Buffalo Bills' front seven. And this is not just because they didn't have Vaughn Miller. That first touchdown drive, there was no third downs. Jamar Chase catching a 28-yard pass over the middle. Second touchdown drive, just two third downs. And the second one led to the Hayden Hurst 15-yard TD catch where all the Bills defenders bit on that fake screen to Jamar Chase. Team ran the ball 34 times for 172 yards. Every time Joe Mixon touched the ball, he went for at least five yards. Burrow threw the ball 36 times. He was sacked just once, like a two-yard loss. Bengals were 6 of 10 on third down, the Bills 4 of 12. There is no hotter team than Joe Burrow's crew right now. They have not lost since Halloween. They've gone from 4 and 4 to the AFC Championship game. They've beaten Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tampa, New England, Baltimore twice. And now the Bills embarrass them in Buffalo. Now, I will not compare Burrow to Tom Brady. That is totally unfair to Brady. It's classic sports media, so pardon me, wants to do it, but it's way too soon. But we all have to admit, this is the best Tom Brady impersonation any of us have seen since Tom Brady. Calm, cool, efficient against the Bills. He looked like he was playing on turf, not in some serious snow conditions. He joins Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger as the only starting quarterback to win five playoff games within their first three seasons. He's also the fifth quarterback in the Super Bowl era to win each of his first three playoff road starts. And there isn't one skill set that really stands out beyond fashion. Did I hear he was wearing Jerry Seinfeld track pants? I was listening to that on the morning show. Anyway, um, other QBs are bigger. Others are stronger. He's not the most mobile, nor does he have the cannon of an arm. He just does everything at the very least a B-plus level. And he's so damn confident out there. Yeah, that does kind of remind us all of Brady. But we'll leave that for another day. Now, one quick thought about the Bills. If you're of a certain age, you remember Wide Right. Super Bowl twenty-five, the greatest Bills team ever. They lose to the New York Giants on a last-second 48-yard field goal by Scott Norwood. That goes wide right. That was the closest they would come to winning a Super Bowl. And I'm starting to wonder if people in Bills fans particularly will start thinking about last year's collapse to Kansas City. You remember final 13 seconds? Is that this generation's wide right 
where a super talented team came super close, but oh, couldn't get it done. Now, I know one was in the Super Bowl, and last year was just a divisional playoff game, but they both feel kind of similar to me. As for Cincinnati, they are the biggest story today. They are the most impressive win. Their offensive line looked elite. Burrow has leapt over all the other quarterbacks, not named Mahomes. And they're a game away from being the supposed, from beating, excuse me, from beating the supposed best team in the game four times in 13 months. And they're going back to the Super Bowl if Cincinnati wins. The Cowboys losing is the fun story. The Eagles' blowout win is the predictable story. The Mahomes' ankle sprain may be correctly the most important story, but in the context of the bigger picture of the entire NFL, there is no bigger story than the emergence of the Bengals as this true juggernaut. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. And the worst part, Chris, was I was watching that game with a Bills fan. Do you know how uncomfortable and awkward it is when you're both sitting there and you're not saying it, but you both know early on, uh-oh, uh, that team's toast. I mean, you could tell from drive one, drive, drive one. two, uh, it was not going to go well for the Bills yesterday. I think it's an interesting comparison but uh, when you bring up the wide right. But I- I'm not sure I buy it because I still think that the window is open for this Bills team, right? Oh, no, it is. But remember, that Bills team went to three more Super Bowls. And it was upon, in retrospect, right. you know, four or five years after they stopped going to Super Bowls, you're like, wow, did we blow that opportunity? And no, 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 you're right. They, they have plenty of opportunity. But now they got Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, maybe Trevor Lawrence. It's a bloodbath in the AFC when you look at bloodbath. all of the good quarterbacks they have. Yeah. There, 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 there's no doubt about that. And think about if Buffalo had won that game last year. They would be at home against Cincinnati. They could have beaten the Bengals. Nothing taken away from the Bengals, what they did in the AFC Championship game last year. But if last year Bills had held on to that game, they would have been at home. They would have been a clear favorite you know, against the Cincinnati team was still figuring out who they were. And... You know, and then and then you're going up against a Rams team that was good, but a Rams team that nearly lost to that Cincinnati team. And now maybe they like I'm not saying it today because today you're right, the window's open. But if Buffalo doesn't go to and win a Super Bowl, we're going to look back at 13 seconds left the way that a past generation looked back at wide right. And, you know, it's going to be such a fascinating offseason for the Bills when you consider some of the changes that could be in store. You and I were talking earlier this morning. You know, Josh Allen, if you if you went into a lab and you tried to come up with the perfect physical specimen to be a quarterback, mm-hmm. Josh Allen is what would pop out of the test tube. Yep. And Stephen Diggs is every bit of a number one wide receiver. Correct. But you, but you look at the rest of their offense, there are some glaring kind of deficiencies there. I think they really do need to address wide receiver depth. Obviously, they signed Dawson Knox to a long-term deal. And he's good. good. They need one other playmaker. Maybe it's James Cook, the the rookie running back from Florida State with another year. Um, But you're right. Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis did not get it done. And I think it it was kind of predictable in a sense. uh, On this day, actually, one year ago, uh, Gabe Davis had the four TD game against the Bills, the one that we've been referencing. And and I, I don't think expectations after that point were ever in check. Because this guy was never going to be anything close to that. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the Bills do here in the offseason. Because 
like I said, the window's still open, right? But they, they do need to make changes on offense. And yep. it, it'll also help Josh Allen, right? Because the, the guy clearly takes too much contact, and they need to have a bit more of a balanced approach moving forward, I would my, say. My God, did he get beat up yesterday. Oh, yeah. You know what job I want to have? I want to be player responsible for pushing Josh Allen in the ass. Because <laughs> you saw it on that touchdown drive. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, Josh Allen is going to get the ball, and he's just going to go... He's just going to go forward, and your job is to just just focus on the glutes and just push push Josh Allen into that chaotic man mass of of humanity. It's like, like riding behind a tank. Yeah, it's like pushing a tank. Yeah, okay, tank. You, uh, <laughs> I'm going to stand behind you and uh, avoid the bullets, and I'll be I'll be in the rear with the gear, uh, but I'm going to push you in the rear, and then you go go get hit a hundred times by three hundred pound angry linemen. And just quickly Ugh. before we go to break here, I yeah. did want to touch on Burrow. Uh, everything you said was apt and to the point. I'm not sure that there is a player in the NFL as cerebral as Burrow. To me, that's the perfect word to describe him. Mm-hmm. You, you, you mentioned what a high floor he has. He does everything at a B-plus level. I think his level of cerebralness, uh, just his attention to detail, that, that might be an A-plus, though. He, See, I don't think I don't know if I would go with cerebral, and he is. I think it is. Is this? He is so calm, mm-hmm. and it's like some guys. I, like his heart rate, I bet doesn't jump as high as some people in the moment of chaos. Like he just, he's very good at. Like to your point about cerebral, he's very good at reading from. You know, option one, option two, option three. It is a calmness where everything feels slower to him, which is remarkable considering how young he is. Absolutely, and I know that this might seem a little bit hot take-ish. <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl this year, don't do it. I think he's one B right there with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to start evoking the word Brady. I mean, no, it, it's a bit of a cheap comparison, don't but do I, it. I, you know, there's certain players in sports. It doesn't matter, like. What sport? Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady. I don't really think they should ever be compared to a current player. It's yes. just, it's unfair to both parties involved. And so I'm not going to do that. But I mean, stylistically, there are some similarities for sure. Oh, oh, there absolutely is. All right. On the other side, we'll get into the most impressive thing that happened to a Canadian this weekend and uh, in the world of sports. And it was from the LPGA. That's coming up next. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Um, one final note on that Bills-Bengals game. I have decided that uh, what we saw from Stephon Diggs this year and when he gave those shoes to the little boy who's a Bills fan who lost his father back in March, um, I am putting a moratorium on um, saying anything negative about uh, Stephon Diggs yelling at Josh Allen or leaving the scenes without talking to the media. Um, yes, not the most professional, but uh, uh, Stephon Diggs was just an incredible human being this year, so I'm going to give him a pass. If you give me the option, my players care or my players don't care, yeah. I'm taking option A every single time. Yeah. And, I mean, this is a narrative that's followed him around since his time with Minnesota. He tends to get hot on the sidelines. I'm not really sure why it's such a big deal. I can almost guarantee you Josh Allen doesn't care, but, you know, we in the media, some of us uh, like to make molehills out of mountains. 
It's that, I think it's mountains at a molehill. Oh, well, you know, I A think for it, effort. It, no, it's not. Like, do you know how hard it would be to make a molehill out of a... I mean, I guess it's hard both ways, but you just... <laughs> like, you actually just turn that all, all around. Listen, I do understand while time... Like, it depends who it is in the context when, when the player decides to shirk their responsibilities. It is an issue. When it's the team captain, when it's a quarterback, when it's things like that. Uh, but Stefan Diggs was an incredible human being to a small child, so I'm going to give him a pass, and we're going to move on from that. Uh, Brooke Henderson, the great greatest uh, golfer in the history of Canada. She won, uh, I think, wire to wire as the LPGA season opener. And on a very windy, windy day, almost error-free golf, she had, I think, just a single bogey. And at no point uh, did she lose the lead. And, you know, she started 18 with a four-stroke lead and still just blasted her driver right down the, uh, the fairway. Her 13th win is now five more than Sandra Post, as well as five ahead of Mike Weir and George Knudsen's total on the PGA Tour. So good on her as uh, she shot a final round 270 and had, I think it was like a four-stroke lead to kick off the LPGA season. So Canada's own, Brooke Henderson. And I wonder about this. Maybe we'll ask a golf guy at some point. Do you think do you think there's better value on Brooke Henderson because she's Canadian? Like the same way for years and years, the Raptors like would, would not get the I mean this year. We're not talking about this year. But uh, uh the Raptors, their win totals on FanDuel wouldn't be as high as it should be. I wonder if it's the same way where maybe uh Brooke Henderson maybe there might be value on her. That would be a great question for an analyst. You yeah. know, there's there's part of me that says the majority of these media companies are located in the U.S., so there is going to be more focus on U.S. players. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the other side of me that says that this is a single athlete sport. So I guess, I don't know, it's not like she can really get lost in the shuffle as much like in, as, as they might in a team sport. Yeah, well, yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. I just, it's something we'll definitely ask an answer. But I, I, am, I am curious about that. Um, as for the Raptors, oof, thank God they beat the Knicks. But this, I, I'm sorry, this, the Raptors are now in full. It's time to, it, it feels like it's time to focus on the growth of Scotty Barnes and then see who you're going to trade. I think it's been time for a while. I know, I know. I, I, I've been slow on it because I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. I didn't want to jump on tank train. And listen, they beat the Knicks on Sunday and Scotty Barnes great in the fourth quarter. Siakam put up a really nice number. I, I know he didn't shoot the ball great. Gary Trent Jr. was really good. Uh, Van Vliet. Um, but on, on on Saturday they lose to Boston and Boston did not have Jason Tatum. And then beyond that, Marcus Smart left near the end of the first half. So they lose to the Bucks with no Giannis, no Chris Middleton. They lose to Minnesota without Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, and they lose to the Celtics without Tatum. And then without Marcus Smart. And I know there I know there was no Fred Van Vliet on Saturday, but it's still embarrassing. You're you're losing all these games to the teams without their clear number one star. And you know what? The, the, the NBA and the NFL are the two professional sports leagues that are most focused around the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, if you do not have the requisite star power, it's just very unlikely that you're going to compete. Um, so I think the worst possible spot the Raptors could end up is the play-in. What's the point? You, 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 you finish 10th just to get slapped around in the first round? How does that help your team? Even you could argue, like, 
yeah, okay, they're going to get some, uh, Scotty Barnes might get some playoff experience there, but what is that really going to do for you long term? If you get Scoot Henderson, if you get Victor Wembanyama, okay, yes. the, 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 okay, hold on, get those two out of it, because they're not going to get those two guys. Why not? They're three uh, games out of having the fifth worst record in, in the NBA. You've got to have the top four worst record. Well, no, you have odds, right? No, I know, but to really have a chance, you've got to be, you gotta be in the bottom four. But the, the, like, okay, if my options are Victor Wimbanyama or play-in, I'm taking Victor 10 times out of 10. This goes to the bigger picture question, which we have no time to answer now. What is better, the sixth pick in the draft or the young guys getting some playoff experience? At this point, based on the makeup of the Raptors roster, I think it's pretty clearly the sixth pick. Like, what do they have out, outside of Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam in terms and OG in terms of building blocks? They don't have a building block point guard. They don't have a building block center. There are serious holes on this team, and I, I don't think we criticize the management enough when the preseason was going on because. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, I don't know. Fred Van Fleet's not a guy I really want to give a four or five year contract to at this point. Yeah, no, it kind of reminds me in a certain way of like Daniel Jones. I want to give him a shorter contract, but for actually very different reasons. Now my head is back on the Giants. We'll get we'll get back into it. And you're right, um, the Raptors don't get as much criticism. Part of it is they won a championship. It it buy it. it Buys you some time and it buys you some protection, even if it's not totally fair. Feels like that's running out now. It uh, is. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the tank's getting near empty. You know, the little light that yes, comes on yeah, when yeah. you got sixty kilometers uh, or less uh, before you got to fill up. Kara Waglin, TSN Sports Center anchor and the host of the NFL and CTV, she's going to join us. We'll look back on the weekend that was, and she'll explain why crepes are not, or why crepes are better than waffles. And then I will yell and scream at her. That's coming up next, right here on Gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. I always love having my next guest on. It is Kara Waglin. You see her on SportsCenter. You hear her all the time on Overdrive, and when she makes an appearance here, uh, but also because she uh, attacked me on social media. I'm not going to say she bullied me, but I was having an argument with my producer, the, who I was bullying, about why crepes stink, but yet Kara Waglin said crepes are better than pancakes or waffles before we get into the NFL. Kara, explain yourself. Maddie, Maddie, I don't know that I would say it was an attack on social media. <laughs> I felt the need to defend my childhood breakfast food. Uh, listen, I grew up in a household where my mom was French-Canadian. I don't think I, I was having this conversation with my husband the other night. I don't think I legitimately tasted a pancake knowing it was a pancake until I was dating him. Really? And very early on in my 20s, he, like a, a good boyfriend who's trying to steal the deal, made me breakfast one morning and brought in pancakes, and I legitimately looked at him and was like, what is this? What is this garbage? <laughs> These are pancakes. He's, I, I, I didn't know there was a difference. I don't, know, I don't know how that's possible, that I didn't know what an actual pancake was or had ever tried one. Uh, but I was expecting him to bring crepes in, because that's what I had grown up with. Look, the thing with crepes, here's the thing. Let me break it down for you. Yeah. The diversity of this breakfast food. I see what you're saying. You don't get a lot with the actual item. It's a very thin, but if well done, delicate and enjoyable, fluffy morsel. Pancakes I find to be too heavy. They sit on your stomach. It's not an enjoyable experience about 30 minutes after. Crepes, you don't have that issue. Plus, there's immense diversity with crepes. You can go sweet. You can go savory. Now, the majority of my experience is 
as a breakfast food. So we do a little syrup. You could go corn or maple. Um, we have whipped cream. You can add some cherries in there. You can do some fruit. You can flambe that. Or you can go savory and you can go adding, you know, your eggs, your all sorts of different things on that end, cheeses and whatnot, and create and open up a whole other portal of food. And a fun fact that I actually just realized and had forgotten about, at my wedding, I love crepes so much, we had a midnight crepe station with made-to-order crepes for the guests where you could go up and there was a dude there and he would flip them on the little pan and would make you your made-to-order crepe with all the toppings. It's just a good time for everyone. I will say this, first off, that is a great thing to have at a wedding. Very different, very creative. Second, if this is a family thing, I will give you a bit of a pass. My main <laughs> issue is that just in terms of pure taste, when people bring up the crepe, the first thing they usually bring up is versatility, which for me is not about taste. And yes, uh, they can leave you heavy. There's nothing better than a post-pancake nap. But my real thought from that entire... And by the way, my producer Chris is nodding his head in agreement. But my final thought is, I feel bad for your boyfriend. There he is, making you a delicious breakfast. And you look at him and go, what's this trash you're serving me? Shame on you, Kara. He's just trying to be nice. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He's like, don't you remember that? He's like, you swatted me out of the room <laughs> with my tray of pancakes because they weren't good enough. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, we'll have to get his details, and we're going to book him for the show to get his side of the story. Um, Kara, I, I opened the show today by saying that, to me, the biggest story from yesterday, or just from the whole weekend, was was the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that... You know, went on that great heater last year. Some people wondered, oh, was that a bit of a fluke? Too soon, too young? After what we saw to what they did to the Buffalo Bills, like, I'm not surprised that they won, but I am surprised how much they dominated Buffalo. Uh, so I had picked the Bengals in this matchup. Um, I just feel like after they started off this season, I believe it was 0-2, and, and then they kind of figured some stuff out and picked up some steam. They went on like a six- or seven-game heater there for a little while. People are forgetting this is the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Like, I remember coming into this season, and so much of the fodder uh, talking about the Bengals was how people thought they were going to miss the playoffs, and I didn't understand it. Like, obviously, their biggest issue last year was O-line. It was still an issue, much better this year. Yes, they were banged up. But I went on a little bit of a deep dive, especially on Joe Burrow. Man, like, from the, after the first two games they dropped in the season, his best protection became himself. And so you didn't have to really worry about the O-line as much because he was getting the ball off so quickly. And it's unbelievable what the O-line did afford, even though they were missing three key players, is a run game, which we knew going into Buffalo with the snow and everything that both teams were probably going to utilize a run game. I don't know why Buffalo didn't use that strategy or, or t tweak or figure out a run game because they didn't seem to have one. But between P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, this team is all, all of a sudden looking like a team with a really good run game, which in the past, they've always been a passing team. They are looking so good going in. I got to tell you, looking ahead to the AFC Conference Championship game, if Patrick Mahomes is even a little bit still banged up from that high ankle sprain, I'm kind of riding Bengals on this one. Yeah. Like they are looking so good. They just don't care. They don't care if they're on the road. They don't care if they're playing in the snow. Joe Burrow is looking like, and it's so funny because Dan Orlovsky said this today, the best quarterback. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is the best player still, but the best quarterback out there. He's just so good. And beyond that, they, the Bengals with all those injuries on the offensive line, 
they pushed Buffalo all over the place. Von Miller or no Von Miller? Like the first drive, no third down. The second drive, two manageable third downs. I just couldn't believe that offensive line might have been the best, uh, the best unit on the field on that Sunday afternoon game. They were looking great, and that was kind of the one issue that going in, I was like, okay, I know they've been dealing with this, but it didn't really worry me because Joe Burrow is still a guy who takes how many sacks did he take in the playoff game last year? Like thirteen, something ridiculous. Yeah, number of sacks, and they still won. Like he just he knows how to get the ball off, and he knows how to adjust. And they were bound to get to him. Uh, how many times did he take? He took one sack in that one. Like it was. I don't know. There was just nothing that Buffalo was going to do. I kept waiting for Buffalo to make some adjustments and to figure it out and, and to start their game. And then all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter and it just, it just didn't happen. They were, the Bengals were playing good defense against the Bills as well. And I just didn't really feel like from the beginning the Bills really stood much of a chance as it was going. Like Bengals just put on a clinic. Your impression of Dak Prescott, did it at all change between uh, the end of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Cowboys game and the end of the Cowboys losing 19-12 to the 49ers? I don't know if I would say it changed. I thought that the game against the Bucks was the best game I had maybe seen him play ever, at least certainly this season. Um, but very closely behind that memory was the memory of Dak Prescott week 18 and that, which was awful. So I went into that game against San Francisco thinking, reminding myself, the bucks are terrible. Let's see what he can do against a good defense. And we knew this was going to be a very defensive game because you know, the one, two defenses in the league going head to head. And it was, but the offense for Dallas just looked terrible. And that final drive, Woof is the only thing you can really say to describe that. Like the clock management, the play calls. Like there was just so many things. It wasn't all on Dak. It's not all on Dak. But when you are stepping on the field with 51 seconds to go, whatever it is they had for that final drive, I know they had, didn't have any timeouts left to go, but that's where you make your hay when you're a quarterback. You, you orchestrate that drive down the field because you know if that was Patrick Mahomes, they would have scored. If that was Josh Allen, they likely would have scored. If that was Joe Burrow, you can't. Doc Prescott is just failing every single time to put his name into those upper echelons with those other quarterbacks. And, and to add to that, go to the drive before that. 2.59 left. They're down by seven. First down, Dre Grenlaw drops an easy interception. It should have been a pick six. Second down, Michael Gallup wide open, beat Javarius Ward, and Dak did not put the ball where it needed to be. And then on third down, he got sacked. Like that that drive there was like, oh my God. It's just like the moment felt too big for Dak Prescott. Yeah, it got big bad. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't pretend to know what it's like when someone like Nick Bosa is coming down hard on you. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Both quarterbacks, I mean, to be fair, I thought that was the worst game I've seen Brock Purdy play too. Yep. Like, I don't think either quarterback looked great. And maybe that's part of what happens when you're facing a really good defensive line is, you know, you're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to get the ball off quick. You're not going to be able to make huge plays. You're not going to have time to go through your reads. Uh, But I didn't think, I just don't think he added a whole lot to that game. There was a couple moments here and there, but it was, it was bad. Yeah, you know, it, it was, and 
I mean, they're stuck with him for a couple of years, and it's not that he's a bad quarterback. It's that he's a good quarterback, but it just doesn't feel like he's the guy um, that can take a team over the top unless they have re- the same ridiculous talent as the 49ers, and that is incredibly rare. Uh, Kara, actually, we'll end with this. We'll stick with the 49ers. Um, you know, Brock Purdy, the best thing you can say about him, he did not turn the ball over once in that game, didn't get sacked many times, didn't make many mistakes, had a couple nice throws, but was not a great game for him. Now he's going up against an Eagles team that thoroughly destroyed my New York Giants. I got to tell you, uh, much like you, I'm leaning Cincinnati, and I'm also leaning Philadelphia against the 49ers. I have a hard, yeah, I'm leaning Cincinnati uh, to come out of the AFC. I'm having a hard read on, because, I mean, recency bias plays into my, my yep. mind a lot. Of course. And the Eagles haven't really looked that great, with the exception of this past weekend, where we, they kind of look like the Eagles of old again. And if they are, then they are arguably the most complete team. Now, obviously, the 49ers have the best defense. The 49ers have, you know, potentially a monster lineup on offense with all of their weapons. And maybe that might be a little too much for the Eagles. But this could be a really tight game. And it might, it might come down to something like the game management of Brock Purdy. Like there was, you say, he didn't make any huge, yes, he didn't have any like game changing interceptions. But like on that play, over the middle to Kittle, where Kittle made that unbelievable catch. That was a bad ball. Yeah. That was a bad ball. And Kittle made that look good. He made an unbelievable catch, and that's what sparked that whole drive and the 49ers' last little run there at the end of the game. So there were moments where Brock Purdy started to look like a rookie. And I just hope that he can clean that up and they can fix that up heading into the NFC Championship. Kara, always, always appreciate. Thanks so much for, again, first talking about the most delicious treats to have at breakfast. I would say go blueberry pancake. Try to get it where it's a little bit thinner and only have like two of them. Because uh, once you start hitting pancake number three, yes, then the pancake pit just becomes this whole, you know, just starts to weigh down your entire stomach. See, I'll stick with my 15 crepes in one sitting. <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Take care. That is Kara Wagland, host of SportsCenter, and anchoring all the uh, NFL coverage on CTV. On the other side of the show, we do Matt's Mood Meter. That is coming up next. You're listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Hope uh, this Monday is treating you as well as can be expected. I haven't been outside in the last couple hours, but I did see a little bit of blue sky. i got to tell you, this whole sun thing, it's a novelty. It's awesome. Why did anyone tell me the sun thing uh, you know, could actually uh, make your day a little bit better? you got to get that vitamin D, Maddie. That's right. That's right. Um, this is pretty out there. Hey, by the way, speaking of vitamin D, you want to get some sun? Oh, you're going to want to go to Arizona. And we want to make you, the listener the unofficial correspondent at the Waste Management Open. So, uh, would you like to go down to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona from February 9th to the 13th? Would you like a four-night stay? Would you like two tickets to the Waste Management Open for the closing weekend? And, of course, airfare to get there. Also, $500 Golf Town gift card. But we're not done there. Yes, you'll also get a custom full-bag fitting at Golf Town Studio X. Sounds mysterious. And just another $500 to spend however you want. So there's all this great stuff. How do I win it? Glad you asked. So what you're going to do is every day you are going to uh, listen to First Up. And they're going to give out the daily waste management keyword. Now, when you hear it, 
Then you got to tune into Overdrive the same day. And when you hear the cue to call, you call us in studio at 416-870-1050. If you're the first caller, you're going to bellow out or say in a, in a more polite uh, voice uh, in terms of uh, a correct decimal level. You're just going to say what is that waste management keyword. And the first caller through with the correct keyword for that day. A, you win $100 Golf Town gift card, and then you qualify for the grand prize draw. First up with Kronik and Koliakovo, they'll be calling out the grand prize winner on Friday, February 3rd. Full contest details available at tsn1050.ca. All right, we do it every Monday because there's one thing we love. It's alliterations. It's time for the Monday Matt Mood Meter. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? Not all, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. It's Matt's Monday Mood Meter. Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. On TSN 1050. Mondays live here. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Okay, I got a case of the, the uh, now I got a case of the Mondays. Al's brother just sent me a text. So apparently it is now cloudy again outside. Tuesday, cloudy. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Every day with at least a minimum 50% chance of snow. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing much uh, sun until, you know, July. I'm not sure if it's nice. Wednesday, but I, I also think that we might get our biggest snowfall of the year ah. on Wednesday. Yeah. So I'm sure that that is uh, going to be great for everyone. I'm sure everyone will love that and there will be no complaints. What do we got for the Monday Mood Meter? How are you feeling? If you are Rick Talkett as you enter the Canucks uh, disappointing season and look to salvage it. Um, guilty? I'm just, I'm just feeling guilty. It's like, oh, God. It's like, like the Vancouver Canucks. We've all been in this situation, mostly when we were younger. You ever get dumped by, uh, by your special gal, your special fella? And you either got ghosted or it's just a quick text or even worse. One of your friends came up to you and said, yeah, you know, Susan, oh, I know Susan, we've been together for years. Susan's been cheating on you, and everyone knows it but you. That's kind of like what the Canucks have done to Bruce Boudreaux. So uh, how I'm feeling, if I'm Rick talking, I'm coming in to pick up the pieces after that ugly divorce. I'm feeling guilty. Yeah, that's probably a fair way to look at it. Um If I'm talking, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm probably thinking that... uh I feel pressure. I'm feeling very, uh, with a lot of pressure on me because everyone clearly loved Boudreaux, whether it was the players, the fans, um, and boy, the, the shoe, the shoes that he is filling are very big. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not necessarily in terms of the team's performance. See, that's how I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back at you. I don't think there's pressure because I think once the firing is over, everyone will be like, once the emotions go away and the sympathy that we rightfully feel for the way Bruce Boudreaux is treated, it's not like he was the second coming of Scotty Bowman out there. He had a, he had a nice run last year, uh, but the team stunk this year. So he's not the second coming of Scotty Bowman. But the, this guy has like six hundred career NHL wins. I know, I know. know. I just I think the Canucks stink. I think I think Canuck fans they cared 
because they don't like management. Then management treated a human being really poorly, so then everyone's going to jump against the Canucks management, rightfully so. But when you take the emotion out of it, what do you think Canuck fans want now? I'll give you two options. One, a heroic uh, run and they get the eighth seed, or two, a good chance to get Connor Bedard. Oh, of course, the local boy. They want they want to get Connor Bedard. He's from Vancouver. But you so know what? No pressure on Rick Tockett. None. Win, lose. Let's just get through the year. There, there's no pressure in the short term. But I mean, this is going to be now failed coach number three yep. for the for the Canucks. I do think yeah. that long term there is some pressure for him to get yeah. things turned around. And just on the Bedard Vancouver thing, hmm. I, I will be sick to my stomach if they somehow end up getting him. Oh. I don't care if he's their hometown boy. They treated <laughs> Boudreaux like a complete gutless. Class. Clown show, yeah. and uh, they do not deserve him. So I hope they fall out of the top five. Well, hopefully he goes to the Arizona Coyotes and give that fan base some love. All 5,000 of them. All 5,000. How are you feeling if you are Matt Murray with uh, hmm. Ilya Samsonov approaching in the rearview mirror, uh, seemingly uh, maybe unseating him for a potential Game 1 playoff start? Yeah, it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's Samsonov in net tonight. And, um, and, and, you know, like, it wasn't Samsonov's fault that they lost, uh, that they lost to Montreal. Like, you know, Samsonov w- was great. And, you know, it was fantastic coming in for Matt Murray against Florida. Was fantastic, especially in that first period against Winnipeg. If I'm Matt Murray, I am feeling Clemensonsy. Now, if you remember, and I, I think it was the, the Marty Brodeur backup goalie for the Devils. Scott the, Clemenson. Scott Clemenson, who just, you know, kind of just sat there. It's like, you know, every couple of weeks, <laughs> dust off the pads, make a start. Obviously, I'm being, uh, you know, I'm exaggerating for effect here. But I'm generally nervous. If I'm Matt Murray, it's it's like, uh, it's like am, I, am I getting a lot of long weekends here? Because, you know, it, Samsonov is going on a run. And, and and they said it. They said they they weren't sure. Uh, there there was no set plan that it was going to be one guy getting sixty plus starts. So if I am Matt Murray, I'm uh, I'm definitely a little nervous, and I'm I'm already game planning for Wednesday against the Rangers because I better be on my best behavior in that game. If I'm Matt Murray, I think I'm feeling a bit of deja vu right now. Mm. Obviously, a bit of different context. It's his first year with Toronto, but we did see towards the end of his tenure with Pittsburgh, he got usurped by Tristan Yari. Obviously, he was going back and forth with Marc-Andre Fleury. So I kind of wonder if Matt Murray is kind of like, oh, no, not again. It's it's happening again. It's, It's like, what's the expiration date? You know, It's like when you get the three bags of milk. Bagged milk, a very Canadian thing. Yes, thank I'm, you. Uh, I'm thank learning you. this. Uh, how are you feeling if you are Jerry Jones after your team <laughs> came up short in the playoffs again? Um, can we play the Ryan Clark sound? Ryan Clark, former safety uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, was on ESPN. And his analysis was um, pretty ghoulish. Have, have a listen to Ryan Clark talking about Jerry Jones, the Cowboys, and Jerry's um, you know, soon-to-be demise. Right now they're saying, is Mike McCarthy going to be the coach? And here's what we know. Mike McCarthy's not changing. Dak Prescott is not changing. What is that natural progression to win a Super Bowl? And if you had an infinite amount of time, you can allow Mike McCarthy to get there. 
Jerry Jones does not. And Jerry Jones doesn't want to win a Super Bowl. Jerry Jones needs to win a Super Bowl. But he is making this decision based on mortality. Not the mortality of their Super Bowl window, but his actual, literal mm. mortality. How many years do I have to live to see my team win a Super Bowl? And that means he can't wait. Mm. That means that Jerry Jones doesn't get tomorrow. Jerry Jones doesn't get next week. Jerry Jones, for sure as hell, doesn't get two or three years from now. So Jerry Jones is going to make this decision based on what he needs, on what he needs to feel alive, on what he needs to feel whole. And that is a championship. The man got more money than anybody in the NFL, but he wants another ring. I guess I'm feeling really afraid because apparently I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like uh, he said for sure that Jerry Jones does not have two to three more years. Uh, is is Ryan Clark <laughs> a doctor? <laughs> I, like Ryan Clark's just he's putting the, the black hood on and the sickle. <laughs> is he the Grim Reaper? Because uh, if I'm Jerry Jones, like okay, no, I'm old. I mean, I guess if you're Jerry, like, can I use my money to 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 buy the blood of young healthy men and and get it uh, infused into my body? Am I do I I got to go ask Keith Richards and, you know, what I need to do or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of uh, other really old people that are still alive. Uh, I'm nervous if I'm, uh, if I'm Jerry. Apparently I'm going to die tomorrow. I never thought about the similarities between mm. Jerry Jones and Mr. Burns, but there, there, there's a few. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's plenty. Except I say that, you know, Mr. Burns probably more successful. All right. We got time. To, uh, yeah, we got time for one more. And this one is uh, close to your heart. All right. The New York Giants. Uh, mm. How are you feeling if you are the New York Giants after reports that Saquon, Saquon Barkley turned down a deal that would pay him $12 million a year? This is per Ralph Vecchiano mm-hmm. of Fox Sports. Um, I'm probably feeling relieved because in the battle of uh, PR and optics, you want to always try to win, and Saquon Barkley is great. I don't. I would. I'm not giving him Christian McCaffrey money unless it's a two-year deal. That's it. When Saquon Barkley was had his best season ever, the Giants were still like 21st in rushing. The you know the the Eagles don't exactly have star running backs. Joe Mixon is good. He's not a star running back. Kansas, He's close. He's yeah, but he's not in that top tier. No. Um Kansas City's running backs are who? Buffalo Bills running backs are who? It just goes to the fact I don't give that sort of money to a running back. So I'm feeling a little relieved. I mean, there's no arguing it. In in the modern day NFL, the running back position is entirely fungible. I mean, there there's just no way to get around that. I do. It makes me feel bad for them. Because, it does. I, yes. Because the, the, these guys literally go out there and grind themselves into dust at that position. Yep. But it's just the truth of it. It's it's cheaper to replace a star running back with a guy who makes less money, but he's also got less miles on it on his tires. I feel so bad for running backs, and I don't do the thing that we see a lot in the media where they. Oh, the players, oh, they're just disposable bodies, just meat sausages <laughs> for the owners who are cackling in their owners' boxes. <laughs> Except when it comes to running backs. Oh, I feel bad. Um, I'd love to see him back, um, but if he wants to be paid, uh, the, he says he's not looking to reset the market, but wants Christian McCaffrey-type money. <sighs> I'm like, I, I wish you the best. Saquon Barkley, go get that money, but just go get it somewhere else. Quick follow-up. Yeah. Best landing spot if it's not the Giants? 
Not, not not for his wallet, for for the team's success. For the team's success, well, it would be somewhere like Buffalo. They need another playmaker. Like, Buffalo would make so much sense uh, for him to go to. Devin Singletary is a He's free fine. agent this summer as yeah. well, so yeah. he might not be back. Uh, one more quick one before we go. Right. Um, this is not a uh, Monday mood meter. Just your thoughts on uh, fantasy football, actually. I know we're out of the season now. James Cook, top 35 pick next year in fantasy drafts. What do you think? Um, for standard leagues where it's it's not as much about points per reception, then yes. James Cook, I think, would be... he'll Jay, Okay, you know what James Cook is? He's going to go, like, pick number 36 and everyone in the room is going to go quiet and they're all going to silently nod of their approval of the person who made that pick and it's one of the greatest feelings in the world <laughs> in your fantasy football draft when everyone nods in approval. Oh my God, that acceptance is something I crave and rarely get. Alright, on the other side, good job by you with Monday Mood Meter, Terry Koshan, who comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll look back into that embarrassing loss against Montreal and it's the Islanders tonight. We'll get into that next right here on Gameplay. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.